but the good thing with Hyatt's album is it sonically had that crunch thanks to uh, Wallace and also uh, thanks to Michael Ward, who came along as his guitar player. He had that heavy crunch, but he also had that irreverence and lyrics and, and, and he had that fun and uh, just the excitement of, of it. So it wasn't dour and angsty. It was John Hyatt, but it was John Hyatt turned up to 11. So that's, that's what I really love about it. Welcome to John Hyatt Month, where we get off the Bruce Springsteen train and we get in the back of a pickup truck and head to Hyatt Town. We will be talking all about John Hyatt, the singer-songwriter from Indiana, who is better known as a songwriter than he is a performer. But we are about to change your mind, and hopefully, if you're a longtime fan of John's music or a newbie, Enjoy our discussion. So once again, welcome to John Hyatt. Hey, hey, hey! Nice to see you. Friday, the boys will be Mount Rushmore, I believe. Ooh, looking forward yeah, looking to that. Looking forward to that. Yes, sirree. <laughs> Our next guest is a uh, great singer-songwriter who happens to be from my home state of Indiana, and tonight he'll be performing a great song from this album right here. Boy, th this thing's done business, hasn't it? It's been a big hit for you. Uh, the CD is entitled Perfectly Good Guitar. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. A big hi, how are you for John Hyatt. John, come on out here. Nice to see you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Set Lusty Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, but we are getting off the uh, Bruce train today, and we are continuing our series of episodes of John Hyatt. Uh, August is John Hyatt's birthday month, and I thought as one of my um, other favorite musicians. It'd be fun to do a series of episodes. And I am so happy uh, that Michael Elliott has returned to the podcast. Uh, Michael, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. So um, why don't you share with people a little about yourself and why I would be very happy to have you back on the podcast if they didn't hear the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and thank you again for having me on uh, as a return guest. Uh, I am John Hyatt's biographer, I guess you could put it. I wrote the uh, Have a Little Faith, the John Hyatt story, uh, and it came out last year, uh, September of last year, uh, from Chicago Review Press. And just to uh, plug it a little bit, uh, the paperback version will be out this September on uh, September 6th, I believe. So if you are more of a paperback type of person, uh, you want to pick that up and it'll be available. You know, you can pre-order it now. So that's, that'd be a great thing. It always helps authors to pre-order stuff. So you can check it out wherever you buy books online or in, in, in the brick and mortar. Very nice. Uh, did you do any revisions for the paperback? I correct. There were a couple of corrections, just of spellings. Sure. Uh, and and there were just a couple of names that I had to, that I had misspelled. And boy, I am a, a stickler for grammar and and spelling. So I was that was eating at me when I realized that. Um, but I did talk with uh, one of the people I interviewed before, and they just had a minor tweak here or there. Um, all the facts were correct. Uh, but they just wanted uh, a little bit more um, uh, clarity on a couple of things. So it's nothing major, but there are just uh, maybe a paragraph or two here that might be reworded a little. Uh, and so uh, other than that, it's the same same stuff. Um, but uh, still, it's it's for the paperback crowd if you're into that. Uh, well, and, no, no major revisions. No. Uh, but it's always good to support writers. Uh, yeah. and. I, I've heard that I've read that when I interview when I've you know read interviews from writers and they'll talk about that they'll proofread 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 okay it's good take it and then when you open it up you oh damn 
how, how did I miss that? Right. <laughs> I was, uh, I had a conscious effort to, to do that. I, I reread it so many times and your eyes get glazed over. And, and of course they have Chicago review press has a wonderful department with the copy editors. They had the line editors yeah. and, and, and still there was, and it, like I said, it was nothing glaring. It was somebody's name that right. anyone probably would have misspelled, but um, sure. I, I always want, you know, I having the last name Elliot, two L's, two T's. It's it's, you know, I'm a stickler for making sure it's two T's, and so I can understand how if somebody saw their name misprinted well, <laughs> in a book, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, Michael, I've gotten used to, um, you know, uh, probably half the people spell Jesse with an I E. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I am a uh, you know, I always go that's the girl spelling, but at this point. I've given up, but yes, I, I know your pain. Um, so uh, I just want to stress again, if anyone is interested in John Hyatt's career or just a really well-written book, the story of a musician and um, their journey, uh, I recommend the book strongly. I, I loved reading it. I loved, um, I had known a fair amount of John Hyatt, but not as much. Um, and it was really well done. And so uh, thank you for writing it. And I will, um, we are going to re-release. Michael was on and we talked about the book. He went into a lot of details. So we won't repeat that here. I'm going to reissue that episode during Mr. Hyatt's month. Uh, But we're here to talk about a specific album, aren't we? Yes. And thank you for those kind words. But uh, we're here to talk today, apparently, about um, his 1993 release, uh, Perfectly Good Guitar. Yes. So uh, you you picked a couple albums, but you said this was the one uh, that your preference. So talk to me. Why? Why Perfectly Good Guitar? Well, thank you for, for allowing me to do it because um, I'd, I'd been talking Bring the Family a lot, yeah. uh, and, and, and which I love that album. Of course, it's a, it's a, a signpost in his career, Yeah, um, but it's, it's refreshing to be able to talk about another album in his discography. I think Perfectly Good Guitar uh, just hit me at the right time. I'd been a, a Hyatt fan for quite a while by then. It was, he, he, had, he had joined the auto buy list. So whenever uh, an artist and Springsteen's one of those as well for mm-hmm. me, whenever they put out a new album, I just automatically buy it without, you know, having to hear any samples or anything like that, or back yeah. in the day, hearing a track on the radio. Uh, I went out and bought this site unseen and um, it had followed up. It was stolen moments. Um, and this was uh, his last album for A&M. I didn't know at the time, but uh, it was a, a the little village project had just happened the year before, um, but this was like a completely different sound for him. It was more aggressive, and I could tell right off uh, the bat that if this was a, a John, not necessarily joining the ranks of the grunge crowd, but he was. You could tell that the energy was up to that level. The '93 was a big year for the Seattle sound and, and, and more aggressive rock. And, and you could tell he had been uh, influenced by that a little bit in a good way. Yeah. I remember, uh, and I've, I've been on the record that um, if I had to pick a favorite CD, stolen moments would be it. It just, and obviously, uh, you know, slug line was the first CD that we, we, uh, we, we discovered, uh, and I told the story, you know, a couple of times that Rick Lisko is the one who showed us that. So I love Slugline. Riding with the King is a, a personal favorite. But Push Comes to Shove, Stolen Moments was, you know, just one of my favorite. And so I remember getting perfectly good guitar and going, whoa, man, this guy has done a, uh, I won't say, you know, a complete 180. But he's using different muscles, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah, in the terms of that, you know, and, and 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 I liked it. I liked it a lot. I just had um, Mark uh, Harnack on and he um, he chose to talk about Hyatt Comes Alive at Budokan because mm-hmm. he said uh, that um, it kind of gave you a sample 
so that if you had not seen, you know, like often people say Bruce Springsteen's live versions have a little more magic than the studio. He said, since I think there might be some people who don't know John Hyatt, he says, let's pick this one to have the things. So I'm really glad that the next album I'm talking about is with perfectly good guitar. I agree with you. It's a lot of fun. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So how do we want to go this? Do we want to go through, do you want to talk about favorite tracks? You want to go through each track? You want to talk about, you tell me. I'll let you drive the bus. Yeah, let's talk about the background a little bit first. Please, absolutely. uh, It was in the in the historical context of the album, which we touched on a little bit with with uh, hard rock scene being as it was. It was coming out of the well, what they retroactively fit now is hair metal. Uh, We didn't call it that then, but um, there was just it was a lot of fun. Uh, for for quite a while it got a little bit too much fun uh and, and it was um as we so often do in america we overcorrect sometimes in in culture and so when kurt cobain came in with a never mind and, and all those guys from seattle took over it seemed to just you know it was like okay now we're not going to have any fun yeah yeah <laughs> we're, we're just gonna just be angsty uh and and in the meantime though there was another little group up here that was uh faith no more um they were they were not grunge they were not uh bubblegum pop metal is what mm-hmm. i called them then uh they were just like heavy rock but at the same time they could be a little bit ridiculous and irreverent um and so he john had heard that in the car taking his son to school his son was 13 at the time he was really into this type of thing and and uh i guess it he caught the bug he was like well this sounds very energetic and exciting and it was new uh john had been you know hanging out with um glenn johns who had produced his last two albums you know uh and he recorded the little village album with Ryan, Nick, and, and Jim Keltner, he had reunited with them. That was great, but they were all veterans. They were grizzled. Uh, they'd been around a while, uh, They and, and, and legends, as it were. But I guess this music just spoke to him in a more energetic way, and he wanted uh, somebody who could feed that 
uh, he had a, he had a different I love the the muscle thing he had different muscles he wanted to use mm-hmm. that, was, that was great so he he tracks down the guy that made that uh happen which was Matt Wallace who produced uh Faith No More and uh he had done the replacements so he knew the rock sound and the rock world at the time and um and so he came out he wanted and Matt just so happened to be a big Hyatt fan uh, going back to uh, Two Bit Monster and all that, and so he uh, he wanted uh, to make Hyatt um, well radio friendly. Probably isn't the best word, but he did want him to get played on the radio. He's in, and and Matt had the expertise to uh, sonically to make that happen, um, and and it did work to, for mainstream rock. He got as a matter of fact, it was his I think it was his highest charting album up to that point uh it hit the top 40 and so uh he did a great job sonically on that album producing Hyatt um so that that was the the background of how it all got to be um and I think what he did was he took and it just a few years earlier Ragged Glory by uh Neil Young and Crazy Horse had come out and so it was uh all that was going on I remember going to see Neil Young and, and Crazy Horse 91 uh 1991 somewhere in there in chapel hill uh and and sonic youth open so that was a very feedback heavy concert uh, but everybody at that time was being really loud and aggressive and and neil was seen as kind of like the godfather of grunge as they called him that but the good thing with hyatt's album is it sonically had that crunch thanks to uh wallace and also uh, thanks to michael ward who came along as his guitar player he had that heavy crunch but he also had that irreverence and lyrics and 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 he had that fun and uh just the excitement of of it so it wasn't dour and angsty it was john hyatt but it was john hyatt turned up to 11 so that's that's what i really love about it yeah i i agree and one of the things that i find interesting and you covered a little bit in the book is you know Bruce got with Columbia and stayed to this day, right? Like he has been, that is his record company. You know, it is a little ironic that John has his most successful uh, commercial, you know, and let's not confuse art with commerce, but the reality it is, it is the music business. Right. And it's his last album for that, uh, you know, that label. Other than the obligatory live album, the Budokan, yeah, but yeah, yes. yeah, his last studio album was with yes. was his most successful commercial. Yeah, and uh, you know it 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 um it often feels like a record company just don't know what to do with John. Yeah, that's that's an ongoing story in his career. Yeah, uh, yeah. ever since well, at least since two thousand, he's been doing basically his own thing. But yeah, but up to then. Yeah, it was just one frustration after another as far as yeah. marketing and, and, and they didn't know where to put him. Yeah. And, and he's, um, you know, we've talked about that, uh, that I think he's one of those unknown legends, right? I mean, I think that uh, among his peers, I think he has a lot of respect and a lot of love. And I think he has a hardcore following, but it is just the general public. <clears throat> if you mention the name John Hyatt, they go, huh? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and uh, that's, um, I, I think that's beautiful in that when someone discovers him, all of a sudden there is this, it's the same thing I always talk about finding a new writer and you read a book and you go, wow, this was really good. I wonder if he's written or she's written anything else. Oh my goodness. There's another dozen books that I get to explore. Mm -hmm. So this is it. Yeah. Oh, I really like that background. Um, I don't, I know you got to visit with John and interview him. Did he have any, did you talk about any specific albums? And if you did, did he mention anything about perfectly good guitar or anything to share before we kind of start? talking about tracks um i don't remember now uh, but we we did we talked a little about every album um and he talked about the experience and having uh working with matt uh 
his main, I remember him saying, I asked him before we got to walk on, cause I had a little less to go on down. And I said, uh, what happened to Michael Ward? You know? And he said, well, you know, he decided to, um, you know, he said guitarists decide to go do other things, you know, they're kind of restless and, you know, what can you do? But, uh, you know, Ward went on to join the wallflowers and heck he ended up one of the best selling albums of the nineties. So, um, <laughs> he didn't do too bad. Yeah. Um, he didn't make a bad decision there. Um, but he really enjoyed the album. He talked about, uh, I got him to talk about a couple of songs. Um, I asked him about the origin story of the wreck of the Barbie Ferrari, um, which is, uh, you know, if, if, if you haven't heard the album, then, you know, Hopefully this will get you to want to hear it after this podcast, but um, that is uh, quite an outlier on the album because mm-hmm. it's one of the more darker tunes. Um, an interesting digression. That album came out the same year as Human Wheels from John Mellencamp. And they had, uh, there was a song called Family. I can't remember the name of it totally. Uh, four, five, one. It was some, uh, some numbers behind it, but uh it was about a guy who, or it, it seemed to be about a guy who murders his family mm-hmm. and, and, and on human wheels. And it came out the same year as the record of Barbara Ferrari came out on, on perfectly good guitar. Now that is not, well, specifically about a man murdering his family. It's about uh, a, a man who may or may not be totally insane uh, or, or losing it and uh, has some mental health issues, but uh, he, he shoots up his family's uh, his, his daughter's doll collection and in, in, in imagining his family um, that he's doing it to them, maybe taking out aggression on, on, on his doll. It's very dark, but it's also done in a, in that high, it's irreverent way where it's kind of light and silly at the same time. So you don't know how to feel, <laughs> um, but he, um, yeah, I just to kind of it's kind of and and this is a bad analogy, but it's the first one I can think of. It's kind of uh, now chicks, but at the time Dixie chicks, you know, Earl. Right. Right. Good you know, girl. that that it's so poppy and happen. It's mm-hmm. all about, you know, uh, you know, spousal abuse and killing someone and getting rid yeah. of a body. But it's so. Yeah happy that it's like oh what a fun song oh wait a minute are we happy about this yes it is he 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 does that that is a it is a a very fun you know kind of there is almost a joyous to it even though it's such a dark material so i'm glad you mentioned that so anyway continue please and well i found it odd that both uh very uh coincidental that both artists, both from Indiana, puts yeah. out uh, their that type of song on their albums of the same year. Um, I haven't. I, I, I I'm remiss in the fact that I did not go th- thoroughly into why that happened before I wrote the book. But uh, you know, a lot of other stuff to cover in there. But at sure. the same time, it makes me wonder because I know that John at one point had said that he was inspired by a news story that had come out around that time of 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 uh, a real happening. Um, mm-hmm. But his main motivation, he told me, was that he looked out the window one day when it was really raining and it was just a, a really dreary day, and he saw. Uh, Georgia Ray, his daughter's uh, Barbara Ferrari, sitting out in the rain and getting soaked in the mud. And he said, my imagination just ran away with me. So that's the way he uh, he told me about it. Um, so we'll 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 go with that. Um, and sometimes it's just no. And, and I enjoy that sometimes. I love the fact that um, yeah, I, I really don't want to know the origin of every little song. Uh, I love the fact that a songwriter can say, hey, I got it from inside my head and that's, that's where it was. And so I respect that. Uh, I, I will, I will accept that from, from an artist a lot. Uh, it just, you know, if, if they want to, uh, if they want to tell me why they wrote a song, great. If they don't, I'm happy with that because it's up to the interpretation of the listener, I believe, you know? So um, the, the more of that I'm fine with. Yeah, I agree with you. I think sometimes, right, it is um, 
he puts it out there or they put it out there and say, it's up to you. Mm -hmm. What are you, this is your vision, you know, like, um, as you talked, you were with me last time, you know, that's why I asked the Mary question, right? Because Bruce could have said, you know, this is the answer, but he said he left it. Like I'm pulling out of here to win. It is up to you to determine does Mary get in that car. So yeah, that that's, that's really well done. All right. Um, let's, um, We've gone it both ways with my guests. We can go track through track, or if you want to pick two or three highlights, let's discuss them. It, it's uh, you drive the bus, my friend. <laughs> well, we checked off Barbara Ferrari. Um, yeah, the, the 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 ones that pop into my head is it, it, we'll we'll do it that way, I suppose. Um, okay, I did. You know, if if you want to pick up a copy of the book, I talk about something wild in there. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, that's the name of the chapter that this that covers perfectly good guitar yeah. uh the kickoff track and and there's a story in there about um iggy pop and uh don was uh, shares it um because iggy pop covered that um and so you know that one is pretty much well documented in there and then um the title track um we could probably save that for a little okay. bit i did talk about as well um old habits um Marshall Chapman has a co-write credit on that. And, and the reason she does is because uh, she talked with Hyatt about uh, one, af- one evening in a, in, a, in a club, she was talking to him about a story of, that her aunt had, uh, aunt's maid had shared with her um, and about being stuck in a tree and in mm-hmm. uh, a snake and all this stuff. So, um, after he shared, she shared that with him, he wrote the first verse to what became old habits are hard to break. And, and so he gave her a songwriting credit for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronnie Millsap ended up covering that song, which is hilarious considering the lyric in uh, Memphis in the meantime, where <laughs> yes. Um, now Ronnie's never done Memphis in the meantime that I know of. I, 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 I would love to know if he ever has, but I doubt it. Uh, but I do know he's covered a couple of, of Hyatt tunes. So I find that funny. Also in the fact that um, uh, the slow turning album was recorded at Ronnie Millsap's studio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, they've run, uh, they've, they've come in contact with each other over the years since then. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, old habits is a great song. I, I love um I just look the whole album just sonically once again how funky and and um heavy it can be but also and it's it's very light in in the way it um approaches the material uh you can you know it's aggressive on one hand but it's not angry aggression it's it's fun it's a it's a loud you can ride down the road with the the windows down and the the speakers wide open if you want it's a, it's a great sounding loud record it's definitely one you want to play loud and and old habits has lots of space in it uh, a lot of bass work with um and michael ward comes in with his guitar solo is just stinging and and uh so that's a, that's a great moment on the album um yeah. so there's that and and then on the same side of that i go downside still even sure. though that's never been on on vinyl to me that's inside that is how we think of it right because yeah. Uh, yeah yeah and and hopefully if john ever catches this they they need to work out where they put out um uh perfectly good guitar Budokan, walk on and a little head all on vinyl. So we're waiting on that. Uh, there we vinyl. go. Yes. <laughs> um, so any, anyway, on the side two, also in that same vein that I, I always think of is, is uh, when you hold me tight, because that's got the uh, just super funky um, groove to it and some great wah-wah action on it. And, and um, so that's a, that's a highlight. And those two songs to me are kind of like flip sides of the same coin. Um Old Habits is interesting in the fact that that Barbara Ferrari happens right after that. And it's almost like you can look at it in sequential order and in a concept type of way, because Old Habits, he's singing to the girl about uh, 
you know, stay away from this in, in all manner of speaking, you know, this guy's treating you terrible. Old habits are hard to break. Um, cause it's not, it sure ain't love. It's just an addiction, you know? Um, and basically telling her that you need to get away from this guy. Yeah. Maybe I, you can look at Barbie Ferrari as this is what happens if you don't. I've and I now want to go back and listen to it again with that mindset. Cause I think that's a really well done. Yeah. I really like old habits is very, um, especially when you think about the same album as we've got perfectly good guitar, you know, um, very kind of bluesy kind of, you know, uh, I, I really like the feel of that song. Um, I think we talked about this last time, but just in case that someone hasn't listed, um, I really love blue telescope. Mm, and, um, and he, when I saw him, he was in Dallas and he said that he was, um, they had played him up on the space station mm-hmm. uh, and that Blue Telescope was one of their favorite songs. And he says, I was able to meet some of the astronauts at the previous show was in Houston. He said, but I forgot to do Blue Telescope for him. <laughs> he says, so I'm doing it tonight, dedicating to the, the folks at NASA. And he played it a great version. Um, I really love that song. I, I love just the, the, one of the beautiful things about this album is it would be easy to say, uh, especially if you listen to perfectly good guitar, something wild. Well, it's just, it's, as you said, John on 11, but there is others, there is still softer and really um, well-crafted mood pieces of, 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 of joy, of sadness, you know, uh, yeah. that 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 feels it is a it it has a it's a fully textured release it is and in and, and blue telescope and straight out of time uh those two songs are just wonderfully um crafted as far as uh, now straight out of time for instance is one of my favorites on there uh with it's it's john and just super john high ballad mode you know it's kind mm-hmm. of like uh, feels like yeah. rain so but uh, this I, the the difference in that is i think feels like rain was uh, a song about um you know you you probably he's probably been with this woman a long time or quite a while uh and it's just a love song uh about how he feels about her and and, and it's more about the atmosphere they're in right now is making him feel romantic um and he and sure enough, he wrote it for his wife, uh, Nancy, at the time. Um, I think straight out of time is him thinking back, or at least the character, the narrator, is thinking back to his first time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and I always feel like it's a, a, a song about the loss of innocence and the way that everything, again, the atmospherics are playing just like feels like rain, but it's just a different, different feel in it because it's like, uh, you know, you never forget your first time, maybe is, is, is yeah. the lesson of it. Um, and, and how you, you hardly ever are with the person that you uh, have your first time with, you know, it's just that, you know, were you ever mine is the last line in that. And, and uh, you know, he's probably thinking, you know, this is, this was just their time together. Now it's gone. Were you ever mine? Probably not, but at least you still have this memory. That's what I take from it. Uh, I I totally agree with that. Um, Buffalo River Home is is one of my like if I had to list, you know, favorite uh, songs, it would make the list. Um, it it feels like early Springsteen, as in I don't know if you uh, watch the apple tv documentary and letter to you but bruce tells the story that someone said yeah this uh someone reached out to us and said if you aren't careful you're going to run out of letters to the alphabet and it was uh you know dylan talking about his songwriting um this is a very buffalo river home is a beautiful song to hear but it is very lyrically full a lot of 
painting a lot of pictures, you know, mm -hmm. all along the paint was peeling down to an Indian blanket of a pony with no rider in the flesh and bone looking mm -hmm. for his Buffalo River home. Mm -hmm. I, it is it is one of his most complex literally, yet against such a beautiful, likable melody. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's uh, that's it is very complex lyrically, but also it's very beautiful poetically. It's uh, yes. the, the the words all work together, even if they're you don't know the meaning or where he's going with it, it still works because they just flow so very beautifully. And and there's and then there's the, you know, there's only two things in life, but I forget what they are. So you know, yeah, which is a um, great line. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it's that musically, it just flows. So we that it, I I'm with you. That's probably one of my favorite Hyatt songs. It's easily in my top five, and yeah. it's definitely one of the things, uh, one of the songs that should have been a huge hit. And and if uh, uh, at that time, um, you know, it's just got a chorus that you can sing. Um, and it's got a hook you can't escape. And so, and that, that guitar riff uh, from, from Ward is just, uh, it's, it's basically a lead line, but it's just a, a hook on that guitar lick that you, you can't forget. Um, the, everything about it, melody, just a, a perfect song. Um, and yeah, and just, just lyrically ambiguous enough to keep you coming back, wanting to hear yeah. more. It's got everything. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm up there with you. Because uh, when Mark and I talked about live at Budokan, he said that was his only, like, couldn't he have, couldn't he have recorded a live, uh, you know, uh, because I would love to have that. And I, I know it's available elsewhere, but uh, you're right. And for those of you who've never heard the song, Michael mentioned a little bit, but it's now there's only two things in life, but I forget what they are. It seems we're either hanging on moonbeam coattails or wishing on stars. Mm -hmm. And when you think that you've been gypped, the bearded lady comes and does a double back flip and you run off and join the circus. Yeah, you just let that pony ride. Again uh, with the pony. Yeah, it is. It's just, it is a beautiful song that just, uh, it, it, it brings me joy. And you're right. You're like, okay, what is this? Because I remember... Uh, we were watching Springsteen on Broadway and my wife is like, I don't understand this song growing up. What does this And I'm like, you know, <laughs> did he do all of these things? What is it? You know, and while my son, on the other hand, just loved it. He just loved the whole imagery and the visions and kind of the theme and, and the feeling the song gives you. So mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, anything else before we get to perfectly good guitar? Because I really do want to talk about that one. Uh, yeah and th there's um you know there's just a a wonderful um oh yeah the angel uh there's one that's sometimes overlooked but that's yeah. another one that was it was a single um and i think it got some play uh yeah. but it's just one of those great courses that and and the the, the drums are just uh uh just ferocious on that it drives the song uh and, and that that those 16th high hats and and um i know we did it on letterman he was on letterman a lot during that time mm -hmm. i remember he record he did uh, cross my fingers and angel those are two two songs that are very pop oriented but pop in a good way um and uh you know i love the cross my fingers line of uh i'll be true to you cross my fingers instead of hard i like that little play on words there um but yeah so those I just wanted to mention how how great and catchy and hooky those songs are. And listening back to it, I did the other day in preparation for this, which I, you know, I will pull it out every few months anyway, but it still sounds just as exciting and, and bright as it did then. It's not trapped in time as as some albums could be. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, perfectly good guitar. So yeah, um opening of a of a of a feedback. Um I it's very crazy horses you know it's very neil young I, I think it's uh i think he was probably listening to ragged glory quite a bit yes <laughs> for this album I, I didn't ask him i should have but i didn't ask him uh it might have been a little it i'll tell you how much i think he was listening to neil young 
as much as I love Buffalo River Home, I got to hand it to it's it's a it's the melody line to thra- to Thrasher, um, okay. um, <laughs> from Rest Never Sleep. So, um, but still, you know, if you're gonna steal, steal from the best, and that's exactly <laughs> absolutely. Do uh, but yeah, t- a perfectly good guitar. Go ahead. Yeah. Do you? I, one other thing um, is the is the Letterman the Indiana connection? Do you think part of it? Because is it, it is, does it David Letterman from Indiana too? Oh yes, yes. They both uh, grew up in. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, they went to the same high school, okay. um, just different. T- it was Broad Ripple, um, yeah. and and John, of course, went to Catholic school until he went to Broad Ripple later, um, where I think David went to public school, uh, mm-hmm. but um, and they were just in different classes, but yeah, and, and different times, yeah. different years. But yeah, so the, he he loved Hyatt, and mm-hmm. and he had him on as much as he could, and it was that Indiana connection because they talk about it sometimes when they were on, he'd have him on the show. Yeah, I think that's nice that um, you know, and and I know I would want to do that if I had been someone who ended up having a show, right? Like there was going to be some guest you know, you guys are going to like this guy or this person one way or another, right? I'm going to keep having him on because it makes me happy. Letterman yeah. was brilliant at that. He would get, of course, Warren Zivon, he yeah. would always champion him and, and Hyatt and just a handful. He, you know, Jason Isbell, he had him on early in his career and, and just, he's always been a big fan of Roots type mm-hmm. music and, and it shows on yeah. his uh, stuff. And so he's very missed in that in that realm um but yeah here's an interesting side note i tried to reach out to uh letterman um uh wasn't able to make it happen but i was hoping to at least talk to him briefly for uh for the book but uh yeah maybe next time if i if i do a second edition (laughs) oh that'd be nice that would be very nice yeah uh i you know in a lot of ways not to go make this a letterman conversation but the same way johnny carson would bring in unknown comedians and help them. One of the things that with Paul Schaefer and them, they would bring in a nice selection of musicians. And I think that's continued in a lot of ways with Kimmel and, uh, you know, uh, Fallon and others where, you know, they try to bring in, let's show people different music and go because, um, Radio is not what it was when you and I were younger. Let's just put it that way. Yes. All right. Perfectly good guitar. Um, You know, uh, so this song's all about John hating the who, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. uh, Pete Townsend talked about it one time. He said, I don't, don't," it turns out he's a, he's a big Hyatt fan. Yeah. But, and and I think he he was a fan of his, and then he heard that song, and he was like, "What is what's he going on about?" <laughs> yes, it's almost like, "What did I do to you, buddy?" But um, no, it was uh, it was Hyatt sitting there one night watching uh, the MTV Music Awards, uh, which oddly was the uh, same thing I watched the uh, live when it happened. Uh, uh, Nirvana was performing; they were the hot new thing, um, and that that was a, a very interesting award show because you saw where the old guard and the new guard were clashing um, by old guard. You, I just mean what was popular just a, a year or so before, you know, you had guns and roses who were not really part of the hair metal thing. They were more just hard rock. I consider them more like Aerosmith uh, yeah. Stones and stuff than I do poison. That's a whole different thing, mm-hmm. but Still, they were on the show. They were up for awards, and then, but then Nirvana. They were like the hot new thing, and they were the critics' darling, and everybody was about. So it came to uh, a head even backstage. I think the bass player Duff McKagan of uh, Guns N' Roses got into an argument with uh, with the guys in Nirvana, and they they almost got in a fight backstage. And so you know, um, it was it was a lot of tension at that time. And because uh, a lot of people, you know, the, the, a lot of bands lost their labels, a lot of it was a huge flip and, and, and it just happened immediately. Um, so Nirvana, you know, gets the brunt of that uh, in, in, in Pearl Jam. But either way, they were the ones on the show. They were performing. 
think it was lithium and toward the end of their song uh chris novoselic he throws his bass in the air just in a celebratory manner uh just, you know being cool or whatever you know it's the, the aggression of the moment and and he he threw it up and it lands just right if if not right on his head square on him uh maybe his shoulder if you look at it again um he didn't duck out of the way it's, i don't know if he thought he could catch it it was very uh, brave of him but yeah he didn't even attempt to catch it when it came down so i don't know uh either way it it landed on him and hyatt uh it inspired him to write um the title track there because as he said uh, you always hurt the ones you love it's <laughs> what he took from that yeah so inspired him to write that uh, now classic um song which became it's one of those great songs you you wish you know you could write in if you're a songwriter and sure enough it became bigger than he was so people quote it now um even though they may not know who high it is they'll quote that line you know it breaks my heart to see those stars smashing a perfectly good guitar uh most recent it came up when phoebe bridgers did it uh in a very you know in a very tongue-in-cheek way on saturday night live uh, a year mm-hmm. or so ago um John Hyatt's name was even trending because of that moment. <laughs> moment. Oh, how funny. Yeah. <laughs> so people were saying, hey, has John Hyatt been notified of this happening? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's a great, great tune. Again, the riff is a very uh, uh, Neil Young type of thing. And and uh, I could hear Neil's voice singing that melody, you know. Um, it's, it's So it's a lot of fun. And it's a great way, a great, great title track. Yeah, one of the things that um, we brought up when Mark and I were talking about this live version is the connection to The Wish, which is, you know, with Bruce talking about that Japanese guitar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, And, yeah. And that how, you know, and later in the song, he talks about, you know, we were talking about all the things that guitar brought us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So I recommend to, um, you know, listeners, uh, that's a nice two double bill. Listen to The Wish mm-hmm. and then listen to Perfectly Good Guitar. Mm-hmm. And they are both love letters to that music, that musical instrument that has brought so much love and joy to not only artists, but to to the audience. And and it goes back to yeah absolutely and and uh, I never put those two together. That's a good because the wish is probably one of my favorite Springsteen songs. First time I heard it was when I picked up the tracks. Yes, box set back when it came out. You know, and I and and my just an off an aside. Please. my mom and I uh, had a had that type of relationship where we actually would um, listen to music in her kitchen and. Uh, we had people over and they would, we would all have a, a big party and we would always, the kitchen was our meeting place and where we would listen to music. And, and, uh, and so when he, when I listened to that, you know, it brings, my mom passed away in 2015. So, you know, that song always makes me think of her still, you know? And, and uh, so it was when he did it on Broadway, I was really blown away. Cause I was like, I am so glad he's, he's including this because uh, it is definitely part of his story um with with so many songs he wrote about his dad in you know that relationship it's great to hear him uh sing about his mom the way he did there yeah so um if you're a regular listener you've heard this story before so jump ahead two minutes because i don't know if michael has but um i was listening to it and i started getting choked up and i realized like yourself many people don't have the ability to call their mom. Right. So I called my mom and I was trying to explain to her that there's this song that Bruce work gets to talk about, you know, how much she loved music and how much she influenced him and you influenced my music and blah, 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 blah. What Jesse Wayne? I, I don't understand what, what? <laughs> and so so I jumped, I dripped off. Okay. So jump forward multiple years for father's day. My, 
my son and wife said, okay, we're going to watch Bruce on Broadway with you. Uh, my wife had tried to watch it before and right when they finished talking about his father and what's hilarious is she said, okay, this is too depressing. I have to stop. And like almost the next two minutes, Bruce says, okay, I'm going to get you off suicide watch. <laughs> so, so, you know, so anyway, um, we're watching the wish and my son, once again, who loved growing up, was like oh my god this is an amazing song and then you know when he when bruce talks about his mother's having alzheimer you know my son is like i love the song so much so i had to pause it i told him the story about calling his grandmother mimi as he calls her and he starts laughing he goes i now love this song even more yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know so uh yes it is um And so I love that idea that, you know, a young John wanted that, you know, that guitar, right? I just that that red guitar and and he wanted that and he ended up getting a sunburst with a crack and this whole it is a beautiful love story of that musician, the guitars and, and and I. I've seen him perform it live multiple times and he always acts like he's going to break it. And then he ends up hugging it, at least mm-hmm. when I've seen him. And it is just beautiful. And it, and it speaks to, it speaks to much broader, not just guitars, but it, of yeah. course, the point of it is, you know, you, people sometimes don't appreciate what they have when you have people that would love to have that, what Les Paul or or that yeah. Stratocaster and they're stuck with uh, his cheap Stella or something and 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 they uh, so it it's it's like they see on TV these rich stars busting it and they're like well if you don't want to give it to me that's, yeah exactly that's a, uh, but you know I say Les Paul jokingly because it's I, I think I saw one time somebody tried to bust one and you know that's not easy to do <laughs> <laughs> yes. That could, that could be uh, damaging to yourself if you try that. But yeah, yeah. so that's that's um, that's a, was a a brilliant title track. As Loudon Wainwright has said, um, that's the title track if there ever was one. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it is absolutely ever good. Any final thoughts about the album before uh, we uh, wrap it up? It was just a very. I remember it being a very happy time in my life. Uh, at, um, in the fact that it takes me back to, um, uh, I was in, I was young and, and, uh, I was going out to, uh, shows a lot. I got to see him for the first time on that tour that ended up being the Boudican album. Um, and, and I remember seeing him in Raleigh, uh, and I also saw him on a, a, a multi blues tour bill with, uh, BB King, but a guy and all those guys. Um, so it was wonderful to see him. I remember how great the sound was, how energetic he was and, and, um, and coming full circle, uh, his birthday month here, I'm going to be, uh, checking him out, uh, with buddy guy again. So, um, and Sonny Landreth and the goners on top of that. So, oh, nice. It's going to be a, a, a really big, big show. So, I think we're coming full circle here almost 30 years later. So, um, but yeah, the album is, is definitely one that's it, to me still stands up to the test of time. And, yeah. Uh, I, I, I put it on and was listening to it um, multiple times yesterday while I was at work and uh, just truly, truly enjoyed it. Uh, love it and uh, you know and the other thing um, just as often I praise Bruce a lot of us do is as he continues to explore new musical and to push different things Um, we've still got a few minutes left talk about your feelings about how how John has continued to change and a dress as an album uh you know as an artist because i know i really loved his latest you know release mm-hmm. um it's it's funny because when you go to from perfectly good guitar there was uh he went to another label he went to capital and walk on 
Um, I remember when I first heard Walk On, it was just such a, 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 a about face of 180 from, from you said from Stolen Moments to Perfect Good Guitar. I felt that way from Perfect Good Guitar yeah. to Walk On. Um, and, and the whole sonic, the whole uh, sonically, it was just completely different. Um, and it was just the sound of, I don't know if I spoke, it was sound of wood. It was just really um, raw and, and, and acoustic uh, type of thing. Uh, even though there were electric moments on it, it was, it was more of an acoustic feel. Uh, uh, even in its loudest moments, it still sounded very woodsy to me, uh, which I loved, but it was just a jarring at first. He's, he seems to have, um, he seems to take, uh, no matter what direction he goes in, he, his songs still are there. And it's all about the songs at the end of the day. So when you have those lyrics and you have those melodies, you can use them, uh, whatever vehicle you're driving, that's going to be the engine that's in that vehicle. And I think that, uh, you know, you can dress it up however you want. You can put, um, you can put loud guitars behind it, or you can put Jerry Douglas behind it. It's still going to be the power is in the lyrics and the, in the melody. So uh, he still got that. And mm-hmm. as he proved, as he proved with uh, leftover feelings, uh, they, those are still fantastic songs, you know, no matter what you put around them is, is, it's still John Hyatt at the end of the day. Yeah, it, it truly is. And I, you know, I, I love how he's doing this and, and, continued and i if you have not explored any of john's catalog we're covering a lot of albums on this month uh but please do yourself a favor you know go do some sampling of different songs i think you'll really enjoy uh, it there is a lot of bruce similarities Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, for that journey. So I appreciate it. Michael, this was a blast. Thank you so much. Uh, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? And once again, promote the book, because I absolutely adore the book. I think it was so well written and such a an, an interesting story of both him as an artist and him as a person. So please plug away. Uh, well, you can reach me, and thank you very much for those kind words. You can reach me, michael-elliot.com, and that's E-L-L-I-O-T-T.com, and don't forget the dash in the middle. And and there you can find, uh, I do some more writing. I write it for uh, No Depression and uh, Album is Americana UK and, and Pop Matters. So you can find all my articles there. Also, you can find links to buy the book. Uh, and links to buy the uh, to pre-order the paperback, which is coming out on September 6th. It's Have a Little Faith, The John Hyatt Story. is available wherever you buy books online or in brick and mortar. If you don't see it there, just ask them for it, and uh, they'll order it for you. Wonderful. All right, uh, Michael, thank you so much. We will have to find an excuse to uh, talk again because I just love it. I love it. We, I guess I still need to have you and just do a Bruce episode. Yeah, we need to do Bruce, man. I've got, um, you know, um, well, here we go, right here. See? Yep, There's there we Bruce. go. Yes. <laughs> yeah, what's funny oh. is uh, I, um, I, for those, you, there'll be a small clip of this on my YouTube channel, you'll be able to see. But those of you who are listening to the audio, Michael has a beautiful background of his book. Is that why you bought the the house? Is that why you, <laughs> was this the reason? Um, for- I will tell you that my wife uh, and my wife and my son, they went uh, to uh, a place um, that will remain nameless because we don't want to do brand names, I guess, but um, it's, it's European. And they went down there and, and got this, brought it back and put it together. And it surprised me when I got home. So they are to uh, thank for this. My wife is a, a nobody like her. That's why I dedicated the book to her. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's stuff like this that uh, makes me want to uh, stick around. <laughs> yeah, it is a beautiful um, record shelf, uh, you know, instead of a bookshelf, record shelves. And yeah. so it is a beautiful background. In fact, I almost said, Man, I wonder if that is one of those, you know, Zoom backgrounds that you could, you know, virtual backgrounds. And no, uh, it is, it is, that is beautiful. <laughs> I love it. All right. Listeners, go, um, go talk to your doctor, get vaccinated, get boosted, and let's try to be kind to each other. 
because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.